the support groups for foster care and adoptive parents are really important. It's important too, because we can laugh. We can laugh about things we're going through too, you know, and other people are going through similar things and we can encourage each other in ways that, uh, you know, that other families necessarily can't because they, they don't know because just simply because they're not doing it. But I also will pull friends in and say, hey, can you, could you help me? Could you take him? Because um, I want him, you know, my son's learning from other people as well, other families that are like-minded, you know, so it's not just coming from our home that he can, they can learn from other people and other families, because that's, that's really how you grow. It's not just our one home. It's a community of people pouring into our children and teaching them. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Hello, future-focused parents. Welcome to another episode of Raising Adults. Kira over in the laundry room with you. I'm in the coat closet with you. And we also have a guest today. We recognize there are many ways to become a parent and also many ways to parent. And we're looking forward to speaking with Amy Carney today about fostering and adopting and how do you be a future-focused foster parent or a future-focused adoptive parent? That isn't something we've covered yet. And we know that many of you may be in this situation or may have a combo pack of biological kids and kids you're fostering or adopting or looking toward that situation. So we're going to dive into that in a moment. But as we're still recording separately, I can't see Kira. So how are you in the laundry room today, Kira? I'm toasty today in the laundry room. I'm not. Oh, is it a warm one in there? Have you run the dryer recently? Yes, I have. It actually finished like literally seconds before we came online. I was like, is it going to be done in time? (laughs) It's always like on days where that are big laundry days where we record, it's always a stress. Like, is the is the washing machine going to be done? But yes, the dryer ran. So I'm nice and toasty. How are you? Oh, well, I'm glad you're warm, even though I'm not there. <laughs> and I'm glad we're not hearing clanging and banging of the dryer. Yeah, yeah that would be Your taking it is like, taking the amazing. joke one step too far. Right? Yeah, we would <laughs> definitely be picking that up with the mic that you have. I think so. I think so. How are you? I'm great. I'm really doing well. And I'm looking forward to this conversation because I don't know if our audience knows, but actually Scott and I got well into the fostering journey at one point. That's right. And almost almost finished, but we're not able to. So I'm looking forward to speaking with Amy. Yes, me too. Well, let's let's read her amazing bio, shall we? Yes, I'm going to introduce her a little bit more to you all, all you future-focused parents, and then we're going to jump in and have a chat with her. So Amy Carney is the author of Parent on Purpose, A Courageous Approach to Raising Children in a Complicated World. She's also written 100 Questions for Mom, a journal for reflection and connection. She's a public speaker, content creator, and product maker, helping parents raise their children with more joy and purpose. She lives with her husband and five children in Paradise Valley, Arizona. And I see here that they're currently fostering a sixth looking to adopt this summer. So Amy, welcome to Raising Adults. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. 
Yeah, we're looking forward to talking with you. And as you may know, Kira and I always start with our why about the parenting topic that we're chatting about on that episode. And we like to ask our guests to do the same. So please feel free to introduce yourself more fully. Tell us any details I might have missed in the bio, things you'd like us to know, and then share your why. Why did you get into fostering? What drives you in this area of your parenting? Oh my gosh. Well, I think you about covered it all. Yes, we are adopting again this summer, uh, another uh, nine-year-old son. And so that's exciting and crazy starting over with a nine-year-old. But um, yeah, my heart is for raising kids, biological, or these kids from hard places. And because our goals are the same, no matter you know if we've had our children from birth or from nine years old, um, it's that we can launch capable, confident human beings into the world to make a difference and to, to contribute. And so the, our approach to that might be different depending on, uh, you know, how our, the start to our child's life, but uh, the end goal is the same. I really love that. And it's so in alignment with what Kira and I talk about. And I think there could be a little bit of a myth maybe that if you don't have your child from the time they're a newborn, you don't get the opportunity to be future focused. And it's really not true. You can still be future focused and intentional and proactive in your parenting, even if you get someone a little older, but you're right. The approach to that and all the what's and the how's might look different. But like you said, your why is the same for all of them. You have that same end goal. So I love that. Yeah, It's crucial. I think it's crucial that we keep the same end goal. It's just, like you said, the approach that you might have to tweak getting there. Right. So I'd love to start even before you started fostering and adopting, because my understanding is you had bio kids first, right? Right. Okay. So how did you get into it? And and tell me a little bit about how you had set up your home to even be able to bring (laughs) a a foster child into the home. Because you mentioned that when we were talking that you had done some work, even in how you were parenting on purpose or being future focused with your own kids, um, your bio kids. Tell us a little bit about that setup. Well, I hadn't even realized that foster adoption was going to be a part of our family story. I mean, I was busy raising, so my firstborn are triplet sons who are now 19. Um, and they were, I think, 12 at the time we started fostering. Um, and our daughter's one year behind. So she's 18 now. Um, and I didn't, like I said, we had no idea that this was going to be a part of our future, a part of our family story. Um, I just happened to be reading the newspaper. Every Wednesday here in Arizona, there's a, a section called Wednesday's Child. And I would read it. That's when we were all getting newspapers at the house, which no longer happens. But uh, I would read it. And every Wednesday I was reading it and I would feel terrible. And I would be drawn to these stories of these kids looking for families. Yet I didn't think I was going to be the one to step in until one day God put it on my heart that like, yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You know, I bless you with this great family and everything that you need to provide someone else. And um, it caught me off guard and my really caught my husband off guard. And we went through all the classes um, and everything to be licensed foster parents. And then it's just, we've been on a journey for the past, uh, what is this, decade now, fostering to adopt. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So I wouldn't say that we are set up at all. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still recovering from the triplet sons. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I pretty much, my jaw dropped and that was me done. Because I have twins and that was really hard. So I... <laughs> Can't even really fathom triplets and another, and then fostering to adopt. So, I guess I'd love to know a little bit about when when you were 
you know, initially before you're fostering to adopt, you have the same really approach as we do, right? This Mm -hmm. idea of being intentional in your parenting, of raising those adults into the world. So what were you doing with your own kids and how were they participating in your home in a way that actually enabled you to be able to do this? Well, I found myself um, scrambling and being a stressed mom um, early on, you know, trying to do everything for everyone and being the best mom that I could be. And then I realized when they were complaining about, you know, that I had packed them the wrong lunch or I hadn't filled up their water bottle where I was like, okay, this, things have to shift here. And so um, we just, I just totally shifted. And I started looking at the end and like, what, what do we need them to know when they leave our home? What do I want them to be equipped with? And we just started putting everything on them, not everything at once, right? Little by little, you just start handing over the morning routine and then, you know, um, and then we just started giving them autonomy in everything in their life. And I just, this huge weight was lifted off me and off our family and they felt more confident. They felt more secure. Um, And so I realized that really this is such a helpful way way to approach our parenting because it's good for everyone. Um, And I had no idea, um, honestly, that it was really going to open up space to bring in, like I said, another child and now an an additional child um, because I wasn't stressed and trying to, you know, have to devote all my time to doing things for my older kids. They were able to do most of the things on their own. And then they were also, the beautiful pieces, they're great role models for the younger boys coming in, teaching them, this is, you know, how we operate. This is how we do things on our own. And they can, they can watch my older boys and my daughter, you know, do things for themselves and contribute to the family. That's so true. I I love that you're saying this because Kira and I say it all the time, but I think sometimes it's powerful coming from a different voice to say, you know what, when you teach children to be responsible and to be independent, it actually, that delegation frees you as a parent and it makes space for all kinds of things. In your case, bringing in more kiddos. So I'm imagining it can be pretty hard to bring in an older foster child. You've got a nine-year-old with you right now that you're working toward that adoption. And that older child needs a lot of love and attention, but you still have to balance that with these goals you were talking about earlier, expecting them to be a contributing member of the family as they're integrated in and working toward those goals of a responsible adult. So how, how do you do that? How do you strike that balance? Oh boy, that that's, that's the big question there. And I really, I wrote about this in my book and my chapter about um, developing life skills because we adopted our, our son who's now 14. He was nine at the time when he moved in. And I was really thrown off because I'm, I wasn't used to a nine-year-old coming that really couldn't do much for himself. Like he could not tie his shoes. He couldn't mm. open a water bottle. I mean, there was a lot of things he had not been taught to do or wasn't willing to do. Um, and so I realized, okay, I've got to remember the end goal is the same for him. Even though his abilities are different than my biological kids, I, I need him to get to a place, right, where he can do all of these, these life daily tasks on his own. And what I realized is I had to really take the time. And this is what's hard. And this is if, whether it's our biological or adopted, right, when they are struggling, it's so hard not to step in and just do it for them because we're busy. We've got things going on. We don't like to see our kids struggling. Um, and I had to realize, and I had to keep thinking about the end goal, the end goal, the end goal. Um, and every day I would push him a little bit more, right? And let him sit there struggling to tie that shoe a little bit longer each day until one day he didn't realize that he's just tying his shoes, right? And then, I mean, we're talking, this probably was two years. He couldn't open a water bottle. And I think it's more, there's a lot of power struggles too, when you're adopting an older child, because they want you to do everything for them for obvious reasons, right? They haven't had a mother doing things for them. So I had to um, 
kind of pick and choose different tasks I could see him struggling with and allow, allow him to struggle in that um, and me not jump swoop into the rescue. But yet on another note, lovingly serve him in another way, you know, maybe making his nice breakfast and putting it on a cute placemat and having a special cup for him until we could get to now where he he's now 14 and he he's does everything everything and and more that maybe better than my biological kids when there was a point four four and a half years ago where I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do these things and I realized that it's so important that no matter these kids you know how they appear you know their abilities or disabilities if we believe in them and we expect them to contribute and and we give them the space to learn and to fail and to you know to be upset to struggle um, and every day we just push them a little bit, a little bit while loving them hard in other ways. Um, I've really seen it pay off. And now, like I said, we've got him to this place that I, I'm, I'm free again. I feel free and he's confident and happy. And um, now we can take in this other nine-year-old and kind of start teaching him. Wow. So I'm curious, um, you know, I'm, I'm the mental health professional of, of mm-hmm. the two of us. And I'm curious from a, a mental health perspective. So and you touched on this really beautifully, you know, this this balance of you have to have that same end goal, but also be sensitive to that piece of them that has been through trauma and just wants to be loved and have their cup filled and in a different way than kids that have been in your home the whole time. So what were you doing from that mental health perspective, you know, besides some of the examples you gave to to really nurture him and the trauma that he's been through? And also, how did you then help your your bio kids understand what they were seeing and how to participate in that as well? Yes, that's uh, that's a huge topic there. But, um, you know, I, I never left him alone in his struggles necessarily, like when he's struggling to open the water bottle. I'm right there telling him he, he can do it. You know, you can do it. And then, you know what, just keep you know working at it. And I would try and, and verbalize ways for him to try. And then eventually I would have to do it for him in the beginning. Right. And then, um, but I, I would, was always there kind of coaching him through these things because that I was still there for him. Right. I'm still alongside him. I'm just not taking over and swooping in because I knew, I knew that I had to do that now because if I didn't do it now and in the beginning and in those first two years, really come alongside him instead of stepping in and solving everything for him, that I knew I'd be doing, I could be doing this throughout, you know, his, his teenage years too. And so I knew that I had to put in the effort. I had to put in the work. I had to um, put in more time and effort so that we would be at this place that we are today where it's no longer, I don't have to really do much for him at at 14 year old. 14 years old anymore. And so I think that's the difference where my biological kids, I didn't have to necessarily stand beside them or be alongside them for the journey. I could just tell them what to do and move on. Hey, Raising Adults listeners and future-focused parents, our valuable FFPs, we just wanted to talk to you for a moment about our membership program. And we love having our listeners join membership and just really join the FFP family. We love having you be a part of this in a more involved way. And so we just want to highlight the three levels of membership. The first is only $5 a month, literally the cost of a nice cup of coffee. And it's really just your way of kind of giving us a tip, like you would tip your barista or your server. If the podcast content has been helpful to you and you would like to just say a thank you, it's just $5 a month. Super 
super accessible and it does get you some things. Don't worry. You're not just giving us a tip and not getting anything. It makes you eligible for on-air coaching calls. You get that calendar of character traits that we've talked so much about and can really help you build your family's value list. You also get half off all digital resources and we'll of course shout you out on the podcast. If you'd like to go up a level at the $10 a month level, you get all the things I just described, but you also have access to Future Focused in Five, which is an amazing video and audio library of quick, short, accessible parenting topics. We cover a topic and give you some strategic tips in five minutes or less, and you can access those by video, but we know you're podcast listeners. So if you prefer to listen, there's an audio version as well. And in that final tier, which is $20 a month, you get access to us. You get a monthly call with Q&A with Dina and I to ask any parenting questions that have come up that month. You get to connect with other FFPs in a private Facebook group, and you get access to all of our online content, all of our digital resources totally for free. So if you've been interested in any of those, this is a great way to get in. So do check out all the different membership tiers that are available to you. We'd love to have you be a part of the FFP family. You can join us by going to futurefocusedparenting.com and click on the membership tab. We really hope you'll join us soon. In terms of then, like, beyond the the raising him to be just as capable and responsible and the differences there, I'm just kind of curious, like, as a foster parent, what are what are the responsibilities from that mental health perspective for caring for this little person mm-hmm. who's been through trauma? And again, like, how are you helping the kids that are already in your home understand what he needs, how how it's different, what he's been through and how they get to participate in filling up that love cup, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Well, it's it's really, um, I don't want to say it's difficult, it's not difficult, but for our biological kids to understand, it's almost near impossible, right? What they've been through because they're children themselves, but um, they've been able to see the growth in him and understand, I've had to explain to them why I'm doing things the way I'm doing, you know, why I'm letting him struggle because they don't like that, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to watch him struggle. They would rather just do it for him. Um, and then to be able to have those conversations with them, like this is for a purpose, right? Where <laughs> this is for a purpose that we want him, him to get to a place where he is confident and he's responsible. And so we had to talk to them about not swooping in and helping, or they would just get frustrated, right? Because sometimes you'd be sitting there for an hour, an hour waiting on him to do something or, or, you know, to learn and they would just want it done and over. So it didn't disrupt our home anymore, but we were able to just talk to them about that and say, this is for a purpose you know, and you're going to see a payoff and they do see a payoff. And they're, and, and I had to keep telling them, just, you keep modeling, you be you and you model how you're doing your laundry and you model how to put the dishes away and you show him, you know, and he can just, cause more, you know, that more is caught than taught too. Right. So him just watching them be responsible um, in their daily tasks helped him probably more than what I was speaking. And so there's a lot of conversations in your home with your older biological kids, um, you know, and reminders of, you know, the trauma that he's been through and obviously not speaking in front of him about this, but on the side, you've got to remember he's, he has a totally different upbringing and, and trauma than, than you guys have. And so it's, yeah, he's not going to be able to maybe do everything the way that you, you were able to do it. But I, the best thing is I could never do this without my, my kids, my husband, this is a team effort. And I feel the same with the mental health because I'm able to get um, counseling for them teachers. I I feel like this, I mean, I've got a village and I pull people in to help and to help them um, be good role models and to teach them in all these ways that are going to help 
build him into this successful, confident, capable adult. Yeah, I think the community piece is really important. Have you also used or found resources in your community, whether it's geographically or virtually, for other people going through this? Do you find that to be an important piece, other foster parents and adoptive parents? Oh, I think it's huge because we're the only ones that understand it. You know, really, if you're living it, right, it goes with anything in our lives. I mean, yes, um, I think like the support groups for foster care and adoptive parents are really important. It's important, too, because we can laugh. Like we can laugh about things we're going through, too, you know, and other people are going through similar things and we can encourage each other in ways that, uh, you know, that other families necessarily can't because they, they don't know because just simply because they're not doing it. But I also will pull friends in and say, hey, can you could you help me? Could you take him? Because um, I want him, you know, my son's learning from other people as well, other families that are like minded um, and help. You know, so it's not just coming from our home that he can they can learn from other people and other families, because that's that's really how you grow. It's not just our one home. It's a community of people pouring into our children and teaching them. Yeah. And it can't be equal for all of them. I mean, as you mentioned earlier. So I'm also kind of curious about how you spoke to your biological kids so that there wasn't resentment, because (laughs) I'm imagining there must have been times where you did need to take more time to show, you know, your new child, new foster child, something where they came into your home, didn't have that skill. You're spending time and attention on that, that now isn't going to your biological kids, like what you were talking about earlier, you know, they have a different background. They're going to need different things. Were there ways that you presented that so that your, your bio kids weren't feeling resentful? Like, whoa, there's been this huge shift and now there's not, we're not getting the focus. Or did you find that they were pretty on board from the start since they were old enough? I'm just curious (laughs) how you dealt with that. Cause I know my kids are all about when things aren't fair, you know, or at least they were when they were younger. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, here's the good thing. When you have triplets right out the gate, nothing's fair. I mean, so true <laughs> you know, that's that. a great point. True that. Kira, do you relate? <laughs> I do. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's never been a thing in our house, but absolutely. My daughter got, she was the baby. I mean, she was the baby of the family for how long, you know? Um, and then so that I have to be, I, you know, I'm very mindful of that. And I'm very mindful of all my kids and that they're, um, you know, getting, filled up, you know, by mom and, and by dad. And we, we, um, yeah, we're very mindful of that. Like my daughter, I, I, I just took her, um, to, she, she needed a prom dress, right? She's a senior in high school. She needs a prom dress. Doesn't have one. Prom is, is coming right up. So I, um, texted her cause that's what you do with the older kids. Right. And said, Hey, let's jump in the car and let's drive to LA. It's six hours from here. And, um, there's a fun place called the garment district and let's find a prom dress for you. And we'll just drive back. We'll make it a crazy adventure. And she was so excited about it. And so we did it. And and I'm in a total season right now teaching this new nine-year-old. And so a lot of attention, like you said, is going to him, but I'm very mindful to know that, you know what, I, I'm going to pour into this one child, you know, and pour into her hard and have a great special time. She and I, and, um, and that's kind of what I do. Three of my boy, the triplets are in college and they're in three different States right now. Um, so wow. which opens up more space kind of, but then again, we're having to get on a plane to go to go visit them. And so um, it's a juggle it's an absolute juggle. And everyone understands that I'm trying to pour into them individually in different ways. Um, and, but it's really important to be mindful that you are taking time away to teach this uh, little child and your kids will resent that here and now. Um, and that's just okay. You just communicate about it, have the conversation. Um, and then you just always, you know what, life isn't fair. 
being in a family, a large family isn't fair. And, you know, sorry about that. So if we have listeners who are, you know, considering fostering or adopting, I'm curious, like, what's the most important takeaway that you'd want them to know? Well, I heard my husband say something really beautiful uh, the other day, and it caught me off guard because he was really not into it um, in the beginning or the adoption. He was really nervous about it. And I heard him say to a, uh, another man the other day, you know what, it's, it's really not a big deal. Like if people just knew, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, bringing in, you know, an older kids sounds scary maybe, but um, it's so beautiful to know that your investment is making a huge difference. And it is a big deal. I don't want to sway wrong, but it isn't as well. Um, It's, you know, you're pouring into a life, into a child that needs a family, needs a secure home. And we have that. So, you know, so we're, we want to, we want to give that. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. I mean, my husband and I are on the verge of being, we were about to be empty nesters right now. My daughter's going off to college in the fall. And, you know, and so I'm grieving that a little bit too, you know, that, um, mm-hmm. which is okay. You have, mm-hmm. you know, it changes the dynamics of your family. And so you do have to know that you have to, um, grieve that a little. And then you also know that it's also strengthening and enhancing. I mean, our family is so much richer because of these boys entering into our family. So mm-hmm. that's really beautiful, Amy. Thanks for sharing that. So if we have listeners who maybe want to pick your brain some more because they're considering going on this journey, or maybe they would just like to learn more about you and your work or check out your book. Can you tell our audience how to find you? Tell us about your book, how to find you on social media, you know, all that stuff. Yes. I would love to be a support. That's my heart is, um, you know, is getting more and more families to, uh, to do this along, alongside me. So my website is just my name, amycarney.com. And actually I have a video on there. Um, USA Today's had me on stage a few times to talk about our foster to adoption story. So that's a great place if someone's interested is you could go on there and watch that 10 minute video to learn more about our, our story. And then on social, on um, all the channels, I'm just Amy L. Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. Great. And tell us about Parent on Purpose. <laughs> um, my my book? Yes. Yes. Well, we um, we pulled out of life um, in 2014. We bought an RV and we traveled the entire US for seven months with the four kids. And it was uh, that book is stems from that that experience. And not it's not really about the trip, but it's about what why we ended up in that RV and how we changed things mm. um, when we got when we got back and had a had a more future focused uh, approach to our parenting. Yeah, that that would be quite an amazing reset. I mean, talk about a change of scenery. <laughs> yeah, we needed it. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Amy. Thanks for sharing with our listeners today just about your personal journey, but also some of these timeless principles that we can apply, whether we have bio kids, foster kids, adopted kids, nieces, nephews, whatever it might be. It's so important to remember that the why underneath all these what's and how's is really pretty universal. So thanks for that important reminder. And listeners, don't worry if you didn't catch all of that. We'll link to where to find Amy and her resources in the show notes today. And as always, if you have questions for Kira and I, or a topic idea for the show, or want to connect with us, please feel free to reach out. You can even email us and you'll get in touch with us. It's info at futurefocusedparenting.com. As always, please please, please, we encourage you to rate and review the podcast. We love five-star ratings and your kind reviews. And when we get those, we always pop those up on our social media and give you a shout out and a thank you. So thanks to those of you who've done that already. 
It really does help us out. This is literally a listener-supported endeavor. So we thank you. And to those of you who've been maybe holding off or waiting for an episode that really touched you, please send us your reviews. We love seeing those. We will be back next week with more, and we look forward to sharing with you in the coming weeks as we get into spring and summer and hopefully emerging from our cocoons, which will feel really nice. So thanks for being with us today, and we look forward to being back with you next time. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and produced partially in Kira's laundry room and partially in my coat closet. Editing by Allison Preisinger and music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks so much for listening.